So it's kind of a cool, cool time of year, and it certainly matches with what we've been teaching. We've been teaching from a little book in the Bible called Galatians. And if you were to put a thesis on Galatians, it would be all about freedom. Of course, it's a freedom that uh, a country or a nation or uh, the, the simple physical stuff can't capture. It's this, this spiritual freedom that the writer keeps talking about. I got my flag on this morning because lots of people, we, we celebrate, right? We celebrate a group of men and women who have given up their lives so that we could have this freedom. We walk in here and we pray and we sing and we do as we please, really, because men and women have given up their lives for our freedom. And, and in, in light of stuff that's going on, everybody's a little up in arms because we ain't giving up that freedom because people bled for it, right? We ain't giving up a freedom that other men and women gave us as a nation. And that's serious to us. So, you know, you want to step on it, step on it. All right, we'll see what happens. Oh, no, anyway. <laughs> uh, but the scripture talks about a much greater freedom because all of us know, just based on studying history, the freedom of this country might go away one day because there's been some great nations in the history of the world that have lost their freedom. But this freedom offered to the followers of Jesus, you can't take it away. Ain't nothing you can do. You can lock us up. You can, do, you can kill us, but you can't take away our freedom because it's given to us on the inside. It's given to us in our spirit, and you can't have it. And the writer of this book is like, don't give it away in some way, stupid. Don't give it away. I, nobody can take it away. When we celebrate Jesus' death on the cross back there, we actually, we talk about blood that was shed so that we can have freedom. It's done. You can't take it away. Ain't nobody, nobody can take away the, what the blood of Christ has done on your behalf if you believed. But sometimes we as believers, we give it away right? You're still free. On paper, you're free. You can't, nobody can ever have that, but on paper is the only way you're free. And the writer of this book is like, it's for freedom that Christ sets you free. Don't give it back. And so we come into the latter part of chapter five, and uh, it's a, man, it's a cool group of verses. So I got like three pages of notes, so hopefully, I got a clock right here to hold me accountable, so don't get worried, but normally I only got like a page and a half, so we, we long, hopefully it won't be too long, but I like to catch it all. Just to introduce the passage, I'd like to give you uh, some good news about Radius Church, all right? So if you've been a part of Radius for a little while, you're going to get to know us a little bit by what we think good news is. Uh, could I say we're pregnant? Would that be confusing to everybody? We got six kids. Cheryl did this to me one April Fool's and she dropped a plus sign on the counter while I brushed my teeth. <laughs> you talk about a sick morning. I was talk about a sickness. I, I was the one with the sickness, but she bluffed me and I, I get her back. But anyway, uh, Radius White, no, is pregnant. So let me, let me explain what that means in church terms. So if you can imagine the newlywed couple, you're coming home from, you, hopefully you got away for a few days, um, and you come back, and a couple weeks later, you find out, oh my goodness, we're pregnant. We like, we're like 21, and how are we going to be parents? And some of y'all are like, I know that story. That was my story. That's what we did. Well, that's what we're about to do, all right? It's a little early in the game, but we really believe the Spirit of God is in this. Uh, there's going to be a baby radius West Columbia, all right? So it's in the making, all right? Yeah, yeah. I need to do what some of y'all, y'all ladies that have, you, you know, you send out those things on Facebook with the, like, where the baby is in progress. We need to have one of those little things. The baby is, the, anyway, that's kind of weird. Just for, I know y'all excited about it, but for a man, anyway, it, um, that's what's going to happen. We're, we're looking toward planting a church in West Columbia. For those of y'all don't, don't know, we were birthed out of Radius Lexington. And, uh, boy, it didn't take us long, and we ready to do it ourselves, all right? There's a, there's a guy moving in. His name's Jason Autry and his wife, Bonnie, and their, their daughter, Olivia. They'll be moving in on August the 1st. They're, they're good friends of ours. They are actually related to the guy and lady back here that run the children's ministry. He leads a, a, a good-sized church in Louisville, Kentucky, and he's leaving that to come start with nothing in West Columbia, which is kind of our deal, right? You go backwards in our system. Like, you don't climb the corporate ladder. You got to, like, go backwards. He's got no people and very limited money. So it's, it's a new deal for him, which makes us like him, right? That's kind of what we're looking for. Uh, you'll get to meet him in a couple weeks. 
and, and Bonnie, his wife, super sharp, but you can start dreaming about the baby shower, right, or, or, or whatever it is. And some of y'all, some of y'all going to go, that's where I'm supposed to be. The Holy Spirit's going to start putting it on your heart, and you're going to hear stories from, from some of the guys that helped start this, and you're going to be like, I'd like to be right there at the beginning. That's a spot, that, that region, that's where I live, work, something. You have some kind of deep passion for that area. It's going to start calling you, and we're expecting God to call between the two radius churches 100 people to go with Jason and his wife, Bonnie, down there to plant. That's what we're anticipating. A bunch of us will stay here in Red Bank, get it done, and we'll be cheering for... Uh, baby radius down the road, all right? So celebrate a little bit. We're, we're, we're really looking forward to how God's kind of forming a family of radius churches. It's not like you sit at the table and big brother's over there and you kind of borrow his stuff or at least ask. You know, sometimes he says no, but because he's your brother, at least he's a little bit on the hook. And our expectation is there's going to be this little family of radius churches that grow up in this area. Um, and hopefully they'll, they're their own thing. But they're linked together. We, we're working on one in Saluda even as we speak. There should be a third and fourth in the, in the near future. So celebrate that. That's good news to us. It's good news some of y'all are going to leave. But that's not because we don't like it. It's because, that's because we believe that freedom is worth fighting for. Right? And so going to West Columbia just makes sense. Because when you have good news, you've got to go give it away. It's just how it works. It comes natural to us. So that's what this, this passage this week is. He, he's just simply telling us the simplicity that the Holy Spirit changes people. And I'm going to try to do the best I can to uh, read it and explain. If you haven't been here before, we kind of read a little bit, talk a little bit, read a little bit, talk a little bit. So here's verse 16 of chapter 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desire that are opposite of the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. So I read that quickly, and I'm not going to read it again, but I imagine almost everybody in the room gets that. There's like two forces warring inside of me. Anybody else got this problem going on? You might not, which means you may not have introduced the Holy Spirit into your life. But otherwise, you know what I'm talking about. You're, you got this one party you wants to go this way, and you got this other party you wants to go this way, and they bump into each other. And there's this, there's this war that's going on inside of you. So... Just in quick introduction, I, I, want, I just want to say this to you. We grow as we battle. Right, some of us beat the heck out of ourselves because we fail. We fail. But you're going to read in this passage that the actual anticipation is that Christians grow as they battle. It's this daily grind. You get up and, and there's another fight today. You get, we're, we're just people at war, and that war wages inside of us. Some days that war is easier. Some days we get it handed to us. But there's this constant battle waging inside of us according to the Scriptures. There's this one element called the sinful nature, and, and according to the Scriptures, you were born with it. I, I guarantee if I asked your mama, she'd be like, shoot, Jay, you were born with it. Like little babies, you always say they're cute, but real quick, they prove like laying in the bed at six months. Like, I'm going to get you soon, boy. It feels like wrong if I got you now. But in six more months, I'm going to get you because I know what you work in me, right? They're, they're sinners like right out the gate, crying, carrying on, looking nasty. Anyway, no. <laughs> It's way deeper than that, right? And, and about just their physicality, it's actually this thing that was had and handed down to us all the way back to Adam and Eve. I can't spend a whole lot of time on it. It's natural. It's natural for all of us to uh, have a sin nature. You're like, whew, I thought I was the only one. Well, good news. Everybody, everybody, everybody in this room has a sin nature. It just kind of comes natural to us. And then some of y'all met Jesus at some point in your life. And you can remember the day probably. And for some of you, it was a season where all of a sudden you knew you needed a Savior and you turned your life over to Jesus. And according to the Scriptures, there's three parts of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus actually says God, God the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to do this thing even better than me because you used to need Jesus in the room, right? Jesus had to sit with you. You could relate to him in the room and he could, he could do stuff with you in the room while he was walking around here on earth. But he said the Holy Spirit would indwell us. 
take up residence inside of me. And so all of a sudden I go from just doing what's natural to having this war between the natural and the supernatural. It's really not a fight at all if I give the supernatural freedom, right? You, you, you bring in one of the boys, you bring in Thor, even with his goofy outfits in, in, in the movies, and you have him battle against me, it's going to be a quick fight as long as you let Thor do his thing, right? If you can hold Thor down, if you could limit his powers, if you could shrink his size so that I could catch him with an elbow, I would beat his tail because it's in me, baby. I'm, I'm a fight. There's, there's, like, there's this battle going on, and the supernatural is supposed to dominate. But oftentimes, we shackle the supernatural. And so uh, the natural wins out. The scriptures would say, I'm born with a sinful nature, but I'm reborn, right? With the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful picture. You wish it was just solved, right? For those of y'all been walking with Jesus for a while, I wish it was just solved like he was there and the battle was over. Well, on paper, it's over. But there's a daily grind to it until we see him again. The scripture uses a variety of words in here. The uh, NLT uses some. One of the translations used conflict, uh, which would mean like a, a war between each other. I, I'm an I'm a athletic guy, so I actually see it like the enemy being the defensive line. Any defensive lineman, no offense, but that, that's kind of like the enemy. That's like the sinful nature and a bunch of big boys up there. And then there's me back here in the backfield, and I'm supposed to get to the other side, right? But I got this fullback. He's 400 pounds, runs about a 4'3", and all I got to do is follow his block. But there's these days when I'm really arrogant, and I try to make my own hole, and what happens? I get buried. But if I just hold on to his britches, uh, maybe I'm way over your head at this point, but you ever seen the little skinny running back? He grabs the fullback's britches, and he just follows him through. The, that's, that's the name of the game. As a follower of Jesus, I get in behind the Holy Spirit, let him do the work. And I get score, right? There's a word in here that I think is uh, really cool. I've never read this before. I, I was reading uh, one of my favorite writers, which is Keller. Um, his name's Tim Keller. If you want to read it, I can give you the book. I've used him a lot in Galatians. Um, but, but one of the things he says is the word desire in here, literally coming out of the Greek, you, you would read it as over-desire. Let me, let me read it to you that way. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of, the sinful, of what the sinful nature over-desires. What? Why is that important? Because sometimes the sinful nature takes something that was good, that was given to us all the way at creation, and it over-desires it. Right? Do I need to give you some examples? How about the word sex over desires? Where's that, where's that put us? How about the cash and, and the over desires of cash? Where does, where does that end up putting us? Where does it put our mind? What about cash bad, sex bad? No, my, my experience, both are really good, all right? But over desire, when it dominates my thinking, all of a sudden it takes me in the tank. What about uh, family? Having a healthy family, is that a bad desire? No, but have you ever seen the person that that is Grand Central Station? What their family is, they promote their family, all you ever hear about, there's just something about that that starts seeming off and, and unhealthy. Something good, something a good desire that we have inside of us, and all of a sudden the over-desire produces something that uh, is ugly. What about work? Most of us in this room are designed to work. There's joy that comes out of work. There's gratification that comes out of work. But what about when we can't stop working? It literally is so synced up with who we are that we'll wreck everything else in our radius so that we can be at work. Something good that's over-desired. The list goes on. About rest, right? The Lord designed it from the very beginning to take a day off, have a day of rest. But what happens when you rest all the time, when you need to be entertained all the time? 
when, when all of a sudden, and we all got these things, right? We all got these things that were desires that kind of come, that are good. We need to rest. And all of a sudden, that joker goes over the top. And the next thing you know, I'm like the master of the universe in my own mind because I'm great at hobbies and I don't have a job. And no woman ever wants to talk to you. <laughs> but I want to marry somebody with a job, not with somebody with good thumbs, right? It's, it's, it's like this over-desire will wreck our life and wreck our family and wreck everything around us was a great pickup that little idea that it's not just about craving something evil it's about putting ourselves in the center and taking the desires that were given to us right from creation and taking them to the end and then he he lists these verses that are uh tough to read because many of you have tasted uh the pain that come with this next little set of verses and i'm gonna read through it and comment on it briefly and then we're going to flip the page and go to the opposite of, of, of these, these words here's what I want to say to you as a, as a believer if you know Jesus there's some really good news in this when the Holy Spirit dwells within you and you might come in here this morning frustrated about losing that battle right maybe this was a bad week and uh, if I knew everything, you'd be embarrassed. <laughs> but you shouldn't be because everybody in the room's on the same page at some point. But because the Holy Spirit dwells within me, there's this beautiful idea that I love God from the bottom of my heart. Despite all the failure that I've had in uh, the years I've known Jesus, at the bottom of John Reeves' heart is a deep love for Jesus. I like praying that every once in a while. Jesus, because I just need to repeat it to remind myself that it's true. He knows that it's true because he's washed me white as snow. I'm clean in his presence. He actually views, the Father views him instead of me. But it's this cool reminder that at the very bottom of my heart, I love Jesus first and foremost. Yet there's this daily grind. And let me read to you some of them. It's just in the passage. Uh, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. I like the way that says that. It's like, this ain't rocket scientists. I mean, rocket scientists? Rocket science. This, this, this is pretty common sense. It's interesting. Some of the debates we're having right now, like, I'm going, is it just me or is this common sense? Here's what it says. Uh, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, always fun words to read publicly, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That seems kind of important. What's he talking about? Man, some of them words I've never used in my life, right? What do they mean? What does it mean not to inherit the kingdom of God? Because basically I know everybody in the room is at least fit in one of them categories at some point. There seems to be this idea that if the Spirit's warring within us, that those things will not dominate our lives. He's not talking about... Do you ever slip up? Do you ever crash and burn? No, he's talking about this habitual lifestyle, right? It's this habitual lifestyle that dominates your thinking. Most of the time in the New Testament, when he talks about sin, he's talking about habitual sin, particularly when he's talking about you don't enter the kingdom of God. What about these sins? What, what do they look like? The, the first one, I mean, you got three sexual ones, and I'll keep this PG for uh, our age group in the room, but uh, sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful pleasures, Man, one of them is just having sex if you're unmarried. That's, that's the first one. But you could ask. You could poll the room. Everybody's participated in that. You could tell us why that's unhealthy, right? You could tell us some of the pain that came with that. Like a little bit common sense. And yet still, this one side pushes for it hard and the Holy Spirit wars against it. You know the drill. Second one is... Uh, actually talks about unnatural practices. Again, I'm going to keep it PG, but a lot of our discussion na nationally right now, uh, it doesn't take a 47-year-old to figure out that it's unnatural. 
I'm not being smart, Alec. But there's some common sense to the thing that, that looks back all the way to creation and looks at male and female and there's this, there's this thing inside of us that wars for anything to give us pleasure. And that, hey, unnatural is outside of marriage, right? Because this thing was designed for me and her to be together the whole ride and create a healthy family, which may create a healthy nation that could be a dominant nation. It's quickly becoming less than because no families. But you take family out of the, you then all of a sudden we don't even reproduce, right? We can't even have babies. And all of a sudden, like, this is common sense. This is my, my, my third grader can figure this out. If we can't have babies, then eventually we go away. Why? Because everybody dies and ain't no babies. So there's like this unnatural thing that we do just to satisfy our own desires and it has no reproductive purposes whatsoever. The scriptures would say, uh, oh, it's just destructive. It's, it's going this way and the Holy Spirit is going this way. So for one thing, I think for us as believers, ain't nothing to be surprised about, right? So don't be arrogant in this room. Some of the stuff I see is so freaking arrogant when we talk about this stuff because you got the same desires. They might not play out the same way, but all of us have this war going on inside of us to satisfy ourselves and be all about ourselves and make John Reeves the center of the universe. Anybody else got that problem? And now all of a sudden, we want to throw everybody under the bus for thinking the same way. Instead, there's like this worship service that should go on. That the Holy Spirit keeps us from going down that road. And it ought to actually bring humility as opposed to arrogance. That the Holy Spirit, because Jesus saved me, keeps me from my desires. Well, that's good news. That blesses the Reeves kids. The words go on, and I, again, this is the negative part. We're going to get to the positive. Use the word idolatry, which actually... Seems to indicate like a substitute for God. Anything that we put in the middle of our mind that can substitute for God. That could be something pretty horrendous, or that could even be the Clemson Tigers of all things. It could be my number. Saturday might get me more excited than any other time of the year. All right? At the end of the year, I always realize that I shouldn't have put so much energy into the Tigers, right? Because I come away disappointed. But, but there's still this thing. Uh, amen. Well, I could go hard on the Gamecocks right there, but I won't, right? Oh, yeah. Thank the Lord for George Rogers. Anyway, um, the second word, sorcery, is actually kind of connected to idolatry, where idolatry is putting God, I'm putting something in God's place. Sorcery is not like me throwing some magic on you right now, right? The, the idea of having them linked up is actually like faking the work of God. You ever been around somebody always talking about God did this and God did that? You're like, really? Because that just seemed like you, uh, you knocked that off the table. It doesn't look like God did that. It looks like that was a nice. But there's this kind of addiction to always saying, talking about the supernatural. It could be church folks. It could be non-church folks. But it's just this, this thing inside of us that wants something supernatural. So we make stuff up. Always scares me when somebody says, the Lord told me. I think it needs to be said at times. I've said it a few times, but I say it real careful. Because if I say the Lord told me, that means I got to do it no matter what. And when people use that a lot, you know, they're kind of like a sorceress. They're manipulating you with their language. It's like the dude that you're hanging out with, and he's like, my wife is calling, I need to go. What he really wants to do is get out of work, right? And he blames it on his wife. And, and, and there's folks that blame this stuff on God. Some other words. I'll run through them. They're really attitudes, selfish ambition. It's kind of a competitiveness that wish, wishes ill on everybody you're competing against. Jealousy. It means I put all my energy toward me being great, so I'll disdain anybody else around me. I don't want anybody to be bigger than me. My ego is the top. Envy. Desiring what others have. Hostility. It's like this deep-seated hatred. We've seen that with some church buildings burning down in the fat past week or two, where you just go, man, that mug must have been ate up with ugliness. This hostility or hatred within him that has come from somewhere evil, even demonic. Hey, boy, that joke was pushing in all of us. 
Again, we can get angry and frustrated, and I am. But at the end of the day, I look down that list, and I go, that stuff happens inside of me. And I praise God, the Holy Spirit keeps me from going all the way down that road. There's some actions to the attitudes. When I read these, boy, if you're married, you'll feel these. First one is like, my, this is the old people word, quarreling. Anybody over, older than me used to say quarreling. My, my, my grandmother used to always, when we were in trouble, y'all stop quarreling, right? Which she means stop arguing. Stop picking fights. Every once in a while, Cheryl and I'll be at each other a little bit, and she'll go, do you just want to fight? I'm, yeah, heck yeah, I do want to fight. It don't even make any sense. And what are we going to fight about? Whether we're going to eat spaghetti? I mean, it's not even a big deal. But for some reason in that moment, there's something inside of you. It just rages and it pushes. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you a block. And you're like, I'll handle this. <laughs> and then you get your butt handed to you, right? <laughs> Two hours later, you're like, man, what was I thinking? What you laughing about? <laughs> uh, the next one is, is a great little line. It's outburst of anger. Anybody, anybody got an issue with that? Uh, see, when you're quarreling, for a little while, you're like smooth and calm. And then all of a sudden, if you feel like, if I yell this, it might be a whole lot more effective. <laughs> so like, this is like this outburst of anger. Some of y'all slam doors. Y'all drive me crazy. Who slams a door? I, you know how to fix the door if it slams too hard? I mean, it's just like this outburst, like I can't control myself. Bam! And then there's dissension. I'm just starting in the house because a lot of this happens in the church and it certainly happens on your job where it started with this little quarrel and then there's this outburst of anger and then we go to our separate rooms, right? And we sleep in two different bedrooms, dissension. And then finally there's division. There's so much bitterness, there's so much hurt that we divorce. And I'm not just talking about marriage, right? I'm talking about people on your job. I'm talking about people in your neighborhood. I'm talking about the people that you relate to, your extended family. You know the drill. Sometimes you have to create some walls just to stay safe, and I get that. But there's this war inside of me that wants to make me the center, and when nobody accepts me as the king, then I start working against it, right? The, the, my sin nature wants me to be the center and wants to hold me high. And so I just work. I start arguing and then I start yelling and then I start excluding and then I cut people off. You ever met the dude that if you just say any truth to him, he wants you out of the room because he can't handle the truth. He got to be center. He can't have a flaw. Not the greatest friends in the world. Finally, drunkenness. Not hard. Y'all probably got to witness a little bit of that last night. And then the wild parties, that's just, I mean, you get drunk, then the party gets wild, right? You can get drunk by yourself, and that's one issue, and we pick you up off the floor, and we clean up the place after you were drunk on the floor in your house and the mess. But then when you get drunk with a lot of people, then there's wild parties. That's just how it works. It don't matter, really matter what thing you're putting in your body. Stuff can get wild in a hurry, and that's, that's just what he's talking about, you know? And what we're trying to do in some ways is save ourselves. We're miserable, so we got to save ourselves, so we got to self-medicate. And then if we self-medicate together, then maybe all this fun we have and fight and all this other stuff that goes on together, and, and then maybe that'll save me. Most of us know uh, from experience, most, not all. It only saves me for a few minutes. Then I'm right back to the center, but I sure am miserable in the center. So he closes and says, uh, we got to feel it. So when I read the scripture, I, I, like I don't want to make it too soft. I don't want to make it too hard. I want you to feel it. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, now I'm, I'm not that preacher. I'm not even spitting today, right? So I'm not sweating or spitting. So I'm, this is not like this downward conversation. But there's a reality to, if that's the way you consistently live, you have to ask the question, have I ever been saved? It's a fair question, right? It's one that if you were like not offended and defensive, you go, that's a fair question. If I was watching my life, I would ask the question. He's just saying, if the spirit's in you, it just doesn't look like there's an award, a war going on. Right? It just, it looks like you constantly give in and this side always wins and the spirit just seems to never win. 
So he said, I just don't know. It doesn't look like you, you even know Jesus as your Savior. And the way that plays out is then you don't get the stuff even here on earth that blesses you. So hopefully uh, that lands right. Let me, let me read you the next couple verses because we got to flip to the positive. This has been fun for me to read this week. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. When I was a kid, I had to memorize a song. It's, it's almost hard for me to read it because I want to sing to you, but I'm going to pass. Oh. It's got a great little tune. No, nah, I'm passing. I'm passing. I really want to show off my voice. But no, anyway, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Seems easy. <laughs> Until you know what those words mean. <laughs> love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control come out of having the Holy Spirit within you. Let, let me just say a couple things about fruit. This is what I love. For some of y'all that have been irritated with the church, we do not elevate the gifts of the Spirit. We elevate the fruit of the Spirit, right? So a dude can sit up here and preach, and you might think he's great, but if he's got no fruit, don't listen to him. Just because he got a sweet, a nice tongue, what they call it, a golden tongue, don't listen to him unless there's fruit. Dude can play the keys or play the guitar or have some gifts on stage, great. But we don't think that they're great Christians because of that, right? Boy, that is one of the great downfalls of the church. We elevate people because of what they do. Some churches, if you speak in tongues, they think you're great. But what about the fruit? Some people, if you organize your life well, they think you're great. Because you made some money and you got some stuff in your savings account. And you got, but, but this says, hey, that's not what we look at. That's not how we make decisions. That's not who we think should maybe lead this thing. We want to see fruit. We want to see, is, there, is the Spirit really changed them? A couple things about fruit. These were great. Stole them right out of Keller's book. Like, borrowed them from Keller's book. Um, fruit grows gradually. We always want stuff to change overnight. But who, what were you like last year? Right? There's some people in here. Boy, I know y'all. Last year, you looked a lot different than you do this year because there's fruit. But we, we, we excited about that. But you won't know in a week just because a dude comes up here crying. I don't, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm with you. We'll give you a hug and, and, and all that. But we, we really want to know what's going to happen in this next year because fruit takes time. If you about disciple-making, if you want to help somebody change, it's going to take 52 weeks. It's not going to happen with one conversation. But here's the good news, boy. Fruit is powerful. It's inevitable. You put seed in the ground, you can, put, you can try to stop it. Unless you use Roundup, boy, you can put a rock there, it'll go around it. You put a big rock, it might split the rock. Tree might come up out, right? It, it, you can't stop it, Jack. If it's the real thing, you can't stop it. It's inevitable that it's going to grow. And produce fruit. What I love is that uh, it ain't all about the apples or the peaches, if you're from Gilbert. It ain't all about the peaches. The peaches, peaches just ain't just hanging there. It comes from a healthy plant that comes all the way down to the roots. There's this deepness about the people that produce fruit. They don't just do stuff. It comes out of who they are. If it's spiritual fruit, that's what it looks like. It comes out up out of who they are. Some folks can do something great for a minute. But when it's a healthy plant, it just keeps on being fruit. And this was the great, this is the best one. I had never heard of this before, and it made a whole lot of sense to me. He used, it's got like five syllables in it. That's probably why I don't use it a whole lot, but uh, four syllables. Symmetrical. So he names these nine fruit. And what I like to do is go, baby, you know how self-controlled I am compared to you? I am really self-controlled. You know part of why I'm that? Because I'm proud as heck. Right? So I'm just not going to yell because I don't want to look stupid. So I'm not, it's not really a spirit motivation. It's just like, I'm disciplined. I you know, I'm not going to let anybody look at me like I'm the idiot man. So I'm going to shut up. I'm going to give you a look like you ought to drop dead. But, I'm, I, but it's really, but I'm under control inside. And, and one of the things that, that symmetrical catches is that when I'm really growing in the spirit, I'm producing all the fruit. There's fruit growing all over my tree. It's a variety show. All nine fruits. They come, I'm not just an apple tree, I'm an apple peach. Watermelon doesn't grow. I was going to go watermelon, that would be rough on the tree. But there's, there's just this, uh, 
there's this uh, healthiness that comes from the Holy Spirit. He just kind of transforms the whole thing. Sometimes we're a little bit better at one thing than the other, but a lot of times that's tied to our personality, not to the Holy Spirit. For example, uh, gentleness and faithfulness. Well, a faithful guy, you kind of expect him to be bold. He'll tell the truth, courageous. But the gentle person, you kind of expect them to be diplomatic and sensitive to what they say. And, and, and what this passage, when you think about all the fruit, you, you would expect that the Spirit could give you both. You know, sometimes we just say, hey, I'll just tell it like it is. <laughs> yeah, bro, and you drive me crazy. I don't do nothing for it. Yeah, you faithful. Yeah, you faithful, but you ain't gentle. So is that, is that the Holy Spirit or is that just you? Uh, let me read the gifts real quick. Again, these are spiritual, not physical. I'm just going to read through this because I'm running out of time. Uh, love. Serving other people for their own good. Has nothing to do with you. I'm, I'm going to do, uh, Keller wrote, wrote this out. It was really good. He, he did uh, definition, the opposite, and then the counterfeit thought these were really good. I'm going to fly through them. So if you get it, you get it. If not, I can email it to you. Love. Serve others for good. The opposite is fear. We're always self-protecting. We're actually afraid to love others for their own good. But this, this counterfeit was interesting. We treat others well because of how they might treat us. So we're trying to get something. It looks a little bit like love, but we're trying to get something back. Joy. We delight in God for the sheer glory of who he is. Like, so our delight, you, you, you've seen them people, they just, not just happy, but there's something coming up out of them that's deep. The opposite, and some of us are feeling that today, hopelessness and despair. So it might be a moment where you want to say, Lord, let me look back. That's why we worship regularly, because we want to look back to who he is, and it relieves despair. But the counterfeit. Enjoying the blessings, not the blesser. Capital B, blesser. That make any sense? Like we get real excited. When, when you, somebody asks you to worship, you tell them about what God did for you, but you don't know much about who God is. But worship is about telling God who he is. It ain't about what he did for you. And that's where joy comes from. Peace. One of my favorite things I hear from folks that just start following Jesus is they say, I've never had peace like this. There's like a rest that comes over us when we meet Jesus. It's a rest in the sovereignty of God. The opposite, anxiety and worry. Right? Anybody else got this? So I got two sons in Alaska, hadn't heard from them a month. I'm really excited about them, and sometimes I get a little anxious. What do I do? I pray. I go back to the sovereignty of God and say he's the one in control anyway, even if they're living under my own roof, and I get rest back. What's the counterfeit? Just don't care. I'm pretty good at this one. I can counterfeit peace all day long by just not caring. Like if it happens, it happens, <laughs> right? So like I, I avoid anxiety by not caring. Yeah, that's kind of ugly. Pointing at myself. Patience. Baby, this is one I'm really good at. Um, no, I'm just kidding. It's facing trouble without freaking. That wasn't his definition. That's mine. When trouble comes, you, you can just kind of chill in the trouble. A lot of times, this is a relational trouble. What's the opposite? Got to blame somebody. I got to blame the person I'm in relationship with. I got to blame God. I'm going to blame somebody. This could not possibly be my fault. There's a, uh, this, there's this pseudo patience that I find myself doing often. It creates some cynicism in me and a lack of care. And the words come out of my mouth, get over it. I always want to catch them because they don't feel like they're going to land real well. But I just want to say, get over it, which doesn't really mean I'm being patient. I'm like, grow up. I mean, you just kind of go into this thing like, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm, gonna get, I'm not really patient. But I'm going to look, page. kindness, serve others practically, which makes me vulnerable. There's a great line in there. You don't serve others on your own terms. You serve on their terms, 
which makes you vulnerable. You ever given a gift and felt really awkward giving a gift? It can be cash. It can be something simple. But it puts you in this vulnerable position. Like, what are they going to say if I give them this? But, but this kindness that comes out of believers, it's cool. The opposite's envy. I want what you got. The uh, counterfeit. Doing good to make me feel good. Sometimes we just kind of addicted to feeling good, so we do good to try to feel good. I need to hustle. Goodness. Being the same all the time, it's actually, if you look at the Greek word, it's almost tied to integrity. Like, like being the same here while you're at church. I always hate it. They're like, the pastor's here. <laughs> I know I F-bombed seven people, but I didn't know he was standing there. Now I'm going to clean it up. Like, I'm, and this too, like no, just go keep F-bombing, man. It ain't going to make me uncomfortable, all right? I'm, I'm cool. I'm like, you know, Jesus saved me. Your F-bombs aren't going to pollute me because I'm close. Now, you can stop, really, when I'm around. I don't really like it. But there's this, uh, there's, there's this, just be yourself. Just be the same. And if, if you're a follower of Jesus, this shouldn't be real complicated. What's the opposite? Phony. Salarious. Lots of times folks call believers hypocrites because we often are. <laughs> but they'll stop F-bombing when I walk around. Who's a hypocrite? Uh, the uh, counterfeit. You, you say stuff like, I'm just getting things off my chest. That's who I am. Well, that's not integrity, right? And, and you're saying, that's who I am, so I'm just going to say what I got to say. I got to say what I got to say. Well, who are you really serving in that moment? Faithfulness. Loyalty. True to your word. Uh, opposite. Opportunist. I'm true to my word when it works out good for me. Uh, I think this is, a, this, this is a tough one for believers. Sometimes we take loving or gentleness and we want to be loving and gentle and we never tell the truth. So we'll hang out with somebody their whole life and never tell them they got a booger hanging out their nose, right? <laughs> so they walk through their whole life and everybody looking at them, look at that, you know, and the younger kids are laughing at them and you ain't never told them the truth. Um, that ain't faithfulness. That's cowardice. So this true community that we particularly could have right here at Radius, and I, I, if you're new here, we, we got a little semblance of it where there's gentleness and there's patience because some of us have been in the ditch. Some of our families have been in the ditch and we have not been thrown under the bus. And people have rallied around us and they've been gentle and good and loving. But every once in a while, you'll sit across the table and it's just time. It's just time to hear the truth. In a loving family, that's how it works. And when the Holy Spirit's kind of working up within us, then it's not like I, I just got to get this off my chest. It's actually a moment when the Holy Spirit makes a way and you tell the truth and you bless people. Most of our little world here in Red Bank, church world, is running from the truth. It'd be the first reason you'll want to leave this place. It's when somebody tells you the truth. But see if it came from the Spirit. Or are they looking down on you? If they're looking down on you, tell me, boy, I'm going to go get them. All right? We don't, we don't want none of that stuff. If it came from the Spirit, look in the mirror. Somebody loves you enough to tell you the truth. Go wipe your nose. Right? Gentleness. Right, let me finish completely out of time. Uh, gentleness is like a humility. Opposite would be self-absorbed. Always right. Man, the fake is like this inferiority. You know the person like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And they're always passive. And that feels kind of like a good Christian, but that ain't from God. Humility knows who they are. People who are humble know who they are. They're related to Jesus. They sit at the table with God the Father. Last one, tough. <clears throat> we can go through this another time. This was too much, obviously. Self-control. This one. This one's tough for all of us. It's the ability to, to pursue the important over the urgent. Let's see if I make any sense of that. There's always a fire to put out. There's always a fire to put out. But can you, under, self, under control, keep getting done what's important? And then over a lifetime, it's amazing what self-control can produce. The opposite is impulsive, right? We just say or do whatever we think. And, and this struck me hard. I don't know how this is striking you, but... I started thinking, man, he put the 
the, the counterfeit. It's willpower based on pride. What you laughing about? That's who I am. It was a great moment between me and the Lord. I, I don't want my self-control just to come out of me being so proud and stubborn. Because some of that's performance-based. And that's like Jesus is measuring me based on the law and because I can hold my tongue most of the time and I can do the right thing most of the time. And if we want to compare apples, I'm happy to, you want to do apple, I, I'll compare apples on morality. I'm, I'm going to win that most of the time. And, but some of that just comes out of pride. Like it's this strength that's inside of me and some of that just ugly. I want that thing to come out of the spirit. And the spirit, I, I don't know how you are as I read through this list. I got like this mixed bag. Sometimes the spirit does it. Sometimes something else does it. And, and sometimes I do the counterfeit. And sometimes I do the real. And sometimes I do the opposite. So it's just this total different thing. This last line in the passage, I want you to, <laughs> that's probably my favorite line. I got no time left. There's no law against these things. What about that? Like, Ain't nothing wrong with doing all that stuff. Like, like, you don't have to, this isn't like a performance or a checklist. I'm not trying to guilt you out by reading the list. I'm actually saying, well, I know a lot of y'all. This stuff's happening inside of you. It's amazing it's happening inside of you. Some of y'all I knew when it wasn't happening inside of you. It's amazing. And so all of a sudden, we worship the Holy Spirit within us for changing us. So it becomes about him instead of our performance. He says, there's no law against these things. There's nothing to measure. We're all sitting in the room, and if Jesus is changing, you're like, praise God, I know who I was. And look who I am now. And you're like, but well, uh, uh, I look out, but how bad I was. It's, it's ain't about you. It's about him. It's about what he did. And hey, at the end of the day, you can't like rise up today and say, hey, bro, I'm going to be as gentle as heck this week. All right, I'm going to get a tat. I'm going to get all nine of them tatted on myself. Don't do it, bro. It's going to be embarrassing. I'm going to get nine tats right here and I'm going to be it. You know, anytime somebody tells me, anyway, because yeah, the tats, just, they, they throw you under the bus eventually. But you got like, there they are. That's who I am. No, in reality, the only way to ever have the nine is spend time with God. You got to be with him, and then there's like this daily thing. And I, I, when I read that self-control thing, I thought, man, even in the last couple weeks, my willpower has kept me under control, but I haven't spent enough time with Jesus. And I needed to ask the Spirit to produce that stuff out of me. I've been following Jesus for a long, long time. And some of y'all longer than me, not many. It doesn't change. My self-control, yeah, I got some discipline. I can make some of that happen. But for it to happen right, it's got to come up out of me. And the only way that can happen is just by me spending time with God. An hour and a half on Sunday ain't going to be enough. It's just not enough. You're going to forget what I said in a couple minutes. If you need help with that, that's why we're here. Fill out a card, holler at one of us. It's about being with God. And over the course of time, as we're with him, there's this idea that on a daily basis that I allow the Holy Spirit to fill me. And then this good stuff comes up out of me. Actually, one of the verses that I'm skipping, uh, it almost has the picture of a dance, like you dance with the Holy Spirit, as opposed to keeping some set of rules and trying to do it all right. There's supposed to be this joy in this life of following Jesus. I don't know if y'all can dance. I got, I got nothing. I mean, like at the weddings, Cheryl's like, I'd like to, but it's embarrassing. So, so just keep your seat. And I'm like, deal. That's I can't even do, you know, whatever, whatever the heck. I can't even get the knees right to do the hitch thing. I can't, just can't dance. But I've seen people dance, and it's beautiful. When they dance together, there's like this harmony, and their feet are moving together, and everything is just like this harmony, and there's like joy. The music's on. There's all this movement. Sometimes there's some memorized steps, but there's this rhythm that comes up out of the music, and these two people flow together. And in reality, it's amazing that God would allow us to dance with him, but he indwells us with the Holy Spirit so that this thing is not a burden but a joy. So that we go through life doing this. And every once in a while, we step on the Holy Spirit's foot. And he's like, stop stepping on my foot. Just stay in step with me. Stay in step with me. I'm going to take you the right way. I got my hand on your, don't you do this, hand on your side. And I'm going to guide you. Just let me lead and stop trying to lead instead. Last word and we'll pray. I've been long-winded today, sorry. Uh, we're doing this. We're doing this. If you're new here, we, 
we regular people and there's lots of flaws in the room and we'll actually tell you what they are. But we're doing this. The Spirit's been changing us as a little group. And, and Red Bank's feeling it. Just, just a little bit at a time. So this is, this is about staying the course. Fruit is produced over time. And, and let's keep doing it. Some of y'all crashed and burned this week. Repent. Get back up. Get back in the dance. We'll see what the Lord does with us over time. Let's, we'll worship together here after I pray. Jesus, oh, that's a lot of information. But it's your book. So pray you would communicate it. Pray, Jesus, that uh, you produce fruit out of us. Thank you, uh, Jesus, for planting that seed in me even when I was a kid. A day when um, I first believed and asked you to save me. And uh, I repented of my sins and you, you made me new. And all of a sudden there's this battle waging inside of me. I love that idea, Lord, that I read this week that we grow as we battle. We battle as we grow. So I hope for believers in the room, regardless of how their week was, crash and burn or, or a huge success, that, uh, that breeds some confidence going into the next week. They got to get back in the battle. They got to yield to the Holy Spirit. Stay behind him, Lord. Help us do that. Even this afternoon, help us do that. We want fruit. We want to produce fruit, so give us depth so that we can. As we get ready to worship, Lord, we as a group, we want to thank you for what you've done in us. A lot of us as individuals, but certainly us as, as a little young church, you produce some fruit, and we want more. Lord, we look forward to West Columbia as a place where you will, we, we, can, we can plant another seed, and you can produce another tree, and new fruit will come up. Thank you for using us. We love you. Amen.